2: You are listening to NFL Kickoff Live, an hour-long weekly show where Jarvis Davis and Kyle Krabs join me, Tanitra Batiste, to break down this week's action and biggest storylines around the NFL. You can catch us live each week from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern on your favorite Locked On NFL YouTube page. Welcome into NFL Kickoff Live. It's the best hour of football talk every single Friday. We'll go around the NFL, talk about every team and every game, and we'll get you local insight you can't get anywhere else but right here at Locked On. I'm your host, Tanitra Batiste. Alongside me are Jarvis Davis and Kyle Krabs. And we are going to talk about a little bit about that Thursday night debacle where we saw the Raiders absolutely smoke the Chargers 63-21, to 21, but really... The smoke is today because we've gotten the news, of course, that after two and a half seasons of high expectations, but no deliver, almost no deliverable, the Chargers decided to fire Brandon Staley, but also their GM, Tom Telesco. So Staley, of course, the Chargers were 24 and 24 under him. Just that one playoff that we talked about pre-show in 2022, 22, that also ended with them doing something that Chargers are going to charge him. 27 point blowout lead to the Jacksonville Jaguars. But again, owner Dean Spano said in a statement that Chargers fan "quote deserve more Kyle. What are your thoughts on this firing of Brandon Staley?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a really hard sell when you had the issues that Brandon Staley did in his first year. It was so overly aggressive, a lot of fourth downs going forward, put the team in some bad situations the following year seems to make some adjustments. They win an extra game. They go to the playoffs and they blow a 27 point lead in the wild card round. And then this team just completely falls flat on its face. And they've never ranked higher than in the the low 20s defensively for a coach who's supposed to be a defensive oriented coach. So uh, I think you could see the writing on the wall. The past month or so, as the Chargers kind of fell off that push they had made to 500 through the first two months of the season. But uh, hard, hardly surprised in year three when the tenure for Brandon Staley has been what it is, and then you give up 63 points to a divisional rival. That's uh, a tough sell to, to not make a change just because of the direction that things have been going.
2: Indeed. And, yeah, many would say that it was a long time coming. Now Jarvis, the Chargers are naming their outside linebackers coach, Give Smith, as their interim head coach to replace Brandon Staley, and JoJo Wooden as the interim GM to take them through the remainder of the season, just about four games, unless something turns around for that organization. But when you heard that uh, news that ch- the Chargers finally decided to part ways with Brandon Staley, what were your thoughts?
3: Um, that this is what should have happened last year after, you know, in that playoff, some finding a way to lose that game uh, <clears throat> against the Jaguars. So those are some of the things that you, you take a look at when, and I kind of did a little digging, right, because I had heard some things about Brandon Staley as far as, you know, head coach. I had heard that, you know, a local beat writer was talking about how he used to be a blogger. Uh, he used to blog about scheme and, and then kind of went into a little coaching history a little bit. And I found something very interesting. Broke into the NFL in 2017 as uh, I saw a linebacker coach, right, position coach for a couple of mm-hmm. years. Then he moved to the Denver Broncos. He started off with the Bears, moved to the Broncos for one year, moved to as the defense coordinator uh, He's position coach with the Broncos defense coordinate with the Rams for one year. and then he came to head coach of the chargers. Like, I, like that's too much. That's too much, too fast. I really feel like this is the prime example of that because, you know, a lot of people want to fall into the whole analytics piece of, of football and how that's been implemented these past six or seven years or so. And I, and I get it. And I understand why people kind of fall in love with that, but this is the thing that, you say, you look at this guy's resume and look at what he's been able to do. I, for one, I'm never going to follow a person that kind of jumps from team to team. I'm one more so looking, I will fall in love with someone or feel like somebody is a good candidate if a guy has been somewhere for some, quite some time, been able to establish himself, been able to stick around if, if the whole coaching staff gets fired and he's able to stick around. Those are the type of guys you lo- like to look for when you're talking about hiring a head coach. So I feel like Brandon Staley just, he got too much too fast. He didn't know how to handle it. And then on the other side of that whole analytics piece, like, yeah, if you were saying that he said this one quote, I thought it was very interesting. It's your job as a head coach to make sure your team knows you have belief in them. And what has he been known as to, to depend on the numbers when it comes to going it on fourth down? Do you really believe in your team or do you believe in the numbers? So that's the type of thing that I feel like he's going to have to make an adjustment if he wants to be a head coach again. Not necessarily depend on the numbers and like depend on the people and have relationships with the people because those people are the ones going to help you keep your job. Indeed. And Kyle... The Chargers have pieces,
2: obviously, Justin Herbert being the most critical piece once he comes back next season, assuming he's back to being his Justin Herbert self. But they've got other pieces on offense. They've got Keenan Allen. And when you look at that defense, it's young, but it's building. And Khalil Mack is still looking really good at 32. So a coach can come in there and make some things happen. Derwin James is another one on defense that makes things happen. Is this. Job now that they've clear Brandon Staley out of there, is this going to be one of the more appealing jobs in the NFL? Yes or no? And if not, why not?
1: Well, I, I think anytime you have a quarterback that's capable of doing the things that Justin Herbert is with a head coaching vacancy, it it's really appealing, right? That you don't have to worry about addressing that spot. So many head coaching vacancies are because you don't have a player there. I think yeah. the thing that's tough for the Chargers they're they're scheduled to be about $45 million over the projected salary cap for next season. And here's some of the players and the cap hits that they have on the books. Khalil Mack scheduled for a 38 and dollar cap hit next year. That's a real big number. It's also not the only real big number they have. Joey is scheduled for 36.6 Keenan Allen scheduled for 34 and a half. Mike Williams is scheduled for 32 and a half. Derwin James is scheduled for just under 20. Those so some of these guys are aging players with really, really big salary cap hits and there's not a lot of maneuverability unless you part ways with some of these players to get yourself not only cap compliant, but in a position to address some of the other needs that you have on the roster. So this may be a case for the Chargers where your sales pitch is not 2024 or your sales pitch is 2025 and say, look, I gotta get Mike William, who Mike Williams for 32 and a half million dollars in cap space. We can save 20 million of that by moving on from him. He plays 10 games a year. It's just not working out. And
2: yeah.
1: there's going to be some transition there for, for their salary cap purposes. I wouldn't be surprised if they try to sell high on Khalil Mack as a, a pass rusher in his mid thir- early mid-30s, who's looked as good as he's looked this season. He obviously had six sacks in one game the first time they played the Raiders, but oh, mm-hmm. for the salary that he's due, uh, I do think they are in a position where they're going to have to take a step back before they start to step
2: forward again. And that's interesting, Jarvis, because that was going to be my follow up question. You're looking at those pieces and, yeah, some of those pieces being really, really expensive, but you do have some pieces. So maybe it's like a reset. I don't know if it's necessarily like a hard rebuild, but it's somewhere in there. So you think about some of the coaches that may be available out there or the defensive coordinators. But to your point, Jarvis, I think that next guy should be, whether he's an OC, a DC, or a former head coach, he's got to be someone with a more extensive resume because you are going to be kind of building from scratch and someone who's going to have to have some patience to rebuild this franchise.
3: Yeah. I think Benny Spanos is going to have to like, don't fall in love with the sexy, like, yeah, but hire somebody with some substance. And I think a a great candidate that should be, in talks for a head coaching you probably know who i'm about to say t is Eric B. Enemy. like he yeah. has to be in conversation to be a head coach i ain't talking about an interview because he can get an interview we right. we kind of understand that's been established already i think yeah. the job he's done with sam howell in that offense and being able to sling the ball around the yard and and sam howell actually looking like he's capable of being a viable starter in the nfl so i i think that eric b enemy is a guy that 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 you the type of guy with the type of resume that he brings to the table, those are the type of guys you need to be looking at. Not necessarily, oh, the guy that that can sell you or a guy that, oh, my God, he was an amazing interview, but, like, his resume is a little weak sauce. Like, that, that can't happen this time around because you have to get this right because the charges have been irrelevant and mediocre for a very long time, mm-hmm. and they just haven't been able to figure it out. And you got to feel like at some point you got to get the head coach uh, higher right.
2: Yeah, and my guy is – I'm going to go in an area that's going to be Captain Obvious to you as well, and that's Raheem Morris. I I just don't understand. It's been since 2011 that he's been a head coach. We had an opportunity to see what he's made up here in Atlanta with him as the defensive coordinator for a couple of years with the Falcons, but also as their interim head coach. And we know what the front end of that that season looked like under Dan Quinn. Got fired midseason. Raheem comes in, and I think he takes him to 500. And, of course, has been doing has done a solid job with the Rams as well. He's also a candidate that I think would be viable and would be able to take some of those pieces and maybe work with them. And, Kyle, one thing we know about Raheem as well, he's a teacher. He's a great teacher. So if you're going to be in reset mode or rebuild mode, that kind of coach would be good for you. But is there a coach that maybe you're looking at or a D.C. or an O.C. saying, hey, that guy might be potentially viable for this Chargers team?
1: Yeah, I think the the direction everybody's gonna want to point is some offensive savant to squeeze as much as you can out of Justin Herbert. And look, Kellen Moore came in as the offensive coordinator this year and was supposed to really invigorate Justin Herbert and the passing yeah. game. It really felt like they continued to struggle with the downfield ability to hit shots down the field uh, throughout the course of this season. So, uh, I think Eric Bieniemy's a, a name to bring up as as JD did. I, I think the other one that a lot of people think is going to be the hottest name on the market is Ben Johnson, the OC of the uh, Detroit lions. Now he's young, he's 37. So he's about the same age that Brandon Staley was when Brandon Staley got hired. But my favorite Ben Johnson sat versus Brandon Staley is he's been an assistant coach in the NFL for twice as long as Brandon Staley was before Brandon Staley got hired in the first place. So he's been an assistant coach at the NFL since 2012. Whereas Brandon Staley really didn't get into coaching in Chicago as an assistant until 2017. So Ben Johnson's been around the block a little bit more. He's got a little bit of experience. He has multiple years as the coordinator of that offense. He's the passing game coordinator for Detroit in 2021, in addition to the last two years as the actual offensive coordinator. So I think his resume has a little bit more meat, like J.D. was talking about, about just going for a young, exciting guy that interviews well. Well, this guy actually has a little bit more substance on his resume if you're going to go the offensive Mm -hmm. route, too.
2: Yeah, I like that as a pick as well. And, you know, Jarvis, we'd be remiss if before we wrap up this section, we talk—we don't talk about the debacle that finally got Brandon Staley fired, and that is that 63 to that 63-21 game that we saw last night where the Raiders just absolutely blew out the Chargers. 42 points in the first half alone didn't allow the Chargers to score until that second half. But here's the interesting part. You look at the stats, and it's so crazy because – First downs are almost identical, 18 to 20. Time of possession was almost identical. And actually the time of possession was in favor of the Chargers, right? And even down to the total yards, almost identical. Both teams, uh, 300 total yards. How in the Sam heck did the Raiders score nine touchdowns in one game when before that game, first of all, they didn't score at all against the Vikings just this past Sunday, but it also took them six games. To score nine
3: touchdowns. You know what, T, when you have a 330-pound defensive tackle rumbling, stumbling, bumbling down the field, and getting this big butt in that end zone, Love that's it. how you thought go could score that many touchdowns because the way this defense played, the Raiders defense played, it was it was it was cool to watch. You got Coombs coming off the edge and him making plays and, and forcing fumbles, and you got what Jack Jones with the, the one-handed alley oop type interception and, and just walks into the end zone. That's what you're talking about. Everybody was getting involved, and, and it, the turnovers was the big, big key for for the Raiders to get getting up like they did, and, and and basically putting this game away in the first half. So yeah, that was something that was cool to watch. And it just on the on the charger side of things, it just seemed like those guys were disinterested. Like it was just, like, okay, we got here now you're playing man coverage and. They're getting beat on the same route you know multiple times i'm just like what is going on out here make some adjustments do something coach and and this how i knew brandon staley was done to you in that post-game press conference they asked him do you know if you're going to have a job the next day and he said i don't know because let's rewind a little bit brandon staley was utterly defiant to a, a reporter who asked him who even brought up the idea of him not yeah. calling plays for that defense and he was just defiant and just just like who are you how dare you ask me that type of question but for him to answer the question the way he did that's how you know he was done he was done in his mind because he knew he was done and it was just it's it's kind of sad it's sad to watch things like play out like that because like the nfl one thing about the nfl you will be humbled at some point as you go through if you stick around long enough
2: Indeed. And Kyle, like I said, that game was absolutely cray-cray. It was fun because you don't typically get a fun game or a competitive game on Thursday. This wasn't competitive, obviously, but it sure as heck was fun to watch. But how in the world did all of those stats line up identically? And yet, literally, the Raiders tripled the output of the Chargers.
1: And the Chargers needed some late points to make it even tripled even as compared that, to what yeah. it would have been otherwise uh, So a 42-yard touchdown drive, a 31-yard touchdown drive, you had a 14-yard touchdown drive, and then you had two defensive touchdowns. So when you're starting on the plus side of the 50 or you're starting in the red zone that frequently, that's a first-class ticket to uh, getting the kind of points that you do. But credit to the Raiders for finishing all of those drives. There's times where you may take over and and have to kick field goals, and and I know the saying is every possession that ends in a kick – is a good possession, but maybe the Chargers should have aspired to end a few more possessions with kicks of their own because the alternative is the five turnovers that they dropped on the field last night. So uh, really sloppy play. Obviously you sympathize with all the injuries that the Chargers have had. And and obviously Justin Herbert didn't suit up with this game and his season is over, but uh, they get a lot bigger picture questions to ask. And and I love what JD said because uh, there was little question in Brandon Staley's mind, who was calling the plays the rest of the way. Uh, Well, it turns out somebody else is going to be calling the plays because Brandon Staley is uh, out
2: with just a few weeks left. Indeed. But, you know, here on our NFL Kickoff Live show, we we definitely have sympathy and our hearts go out because, hey, sometimes we need a little help moving on, right? Now, of course – We're going to have fun and talk a little bit about our game of the week between the Cowboys and Bills. Cowboys in another big battle this coming weekend. But before we do that, like I said, Jarvis is going to give Brandon Staley a little bit of love by telling him how he can actually move forward in his life with LinkedIn.
3: All right, Brandon Staley, listen up. I got something for you, man. Let's kick off this unemployment doggone uh, line thing you got going on right now. You want to order some chips, dips, nachos, everything you need to make your own nachos on DoorDash and get it all delivered without, with, because you're gonna have a, a lot of time to watch games. So you know when you sit back at home, right? I need you to go to DoorDash and kick back and kick off with these unbeatable deals on everything you need. For the watch party or tailgate. I'm telling you guys, join Brandon Staley on the party, man. We're trying to eat good and watch some football. Cause here's what we got for you. For all new, for the new customers, for you on your first order. Yeah, there we go. First order, get 50% off up to $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCK23. That's code LOCK23. That's 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the code LOCK23. I'm telling you guys, I'm talking about Wings. All your favorite restaurants from retail to grocery are on the app. So you can shop everything you need to get game day ready. So go to uh, download the DoorDash app
2: Well, guys, it is time to talk about the game of the week, and this is going to be a good one. The Dallas Cowboys have been super hot lately, and Dak Prescott has been absolutely white-hot leading the charge and putting himself at the top of the MVP conversation. Now, where can things go wrong for the Cowboys against the Buffalo Bills? Well, Marcus Mosher joins us. The On Bills host, Joe Marino, will join us as well to break this game down.
5: we've had a lot of good things to say about Dallas, right? It's and, and that's because they give you a lot of good things to say about Dallas. What are your issues? What's the stuff? What, what are the problems well, with Dallas? No team's perfect. What is it? No, It's the run defense and you nailed it. They are 32nd in EPA per
6: play against the run. Now they've, they've had, they've been up in a lot of games. So teams haven't been able to expose them and they haven't let teams hang around to be mm-hmm. able to run the ball, but you can absolutely run the ball against this Cowboys defense. And, Dallas will likely be without their run-stopping defensive tackle Jonathan Hankins in this game. Mozzie Smith has not been a good run defender this year. So if you're going to beat the Cowboys, running the ball,
5: specifically up the middle, is how you have a lot of success against them. Yeah, and the Bills love to run duo. They love to run uh, this tackle-wrap dart play. They'll pull mm-hmm. Deion Dawkins all game long from the backside, make him play side. So, yeah, I, I that's that's going to be big for the Bills, and that's part of my keys here as I get into my, my – uh, my path to victory for the bills um winning in the red zone. I have number one um, for as good as Dallas has been offensively this year. A little surprised that the red zone scoring percentage is 15th in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that the bills have been great on red zone defense or 18th in red zone defense. But if you can, you know, always, you always love to score touchdowns when you're in the red zone and limit them to field goals when they're in the red zone. I think if you can keep Dallas out of, you know, cashing in on drives, that's going to help you a ton because they're going to score points. Meanwhile, the Bills are number two in the NFL in red zone offense. Dallas' defense, for as good as it is, 22nd in red zone defense. So, A little surprise for as good as Dallas has been this year that they're below average in red zone defense and average when it comes to red zone offense. Number two, I do have running the football. Um, I, I think that's if there's a real opportunity, it is that. You just talked about it. And The Bills' rushing offense has been good of late. I think they've really found themselves really going back to Denver game philly kansas city they had their moments running the ball i think they'll need to continue to lean into that and using josh allen as part of that equation number three is turnovers can you get dallas out of playing clean football i don't know if you can but it would be helpful and then can you play clean football against a defense that really hasn't allowed any team to play clean football and the 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 bills have had their share of of giveaways right they've had they've had uh some bad luck there, but like there's nine games in a row since the bills have had a clean game in terms of not turning over the football. Meanwhile, Dallas has multiple takeaways in like almost every game. And so you gotta, I think you gotta find a way to win the turnover battle. And then number four, it's I'm going back to the home field advantage. We talked about Dallas three losses all on the road. The bills have one loss at home this year. It's the Denver game where they had 12 men on the field for the game losing field goal, but then they got another chance and made it The Bills turned it over four times in that game against Denver, and it came down to that. So I think the Bills are a good team at home. Dallas is a better team at home. I think you got to make your home field advantage count in this one.
2: Jarvis, Joe was nice. He said that the Bills were a turnover machine. No, no. That guy under center is a turnover machine for them and that might be one of the paths to the Cowboys winning this game. But also I wanted to point out something that he talked about and both guys agreed and that is that you can take advantage of the run defense that the Cowboys have and James Cook is having himself quite a nice season. Uh, 163 carries, 789 yards and 4.8 averaging uh, average for uh, yards per carry. So what but what for you is the ultimate path for the Bills to get this win?
3: Don't make Josh Allen think like he has to do it all on his own because I feel like – I know some people don't don't like to make comparisons between quarterbacks, but I feel like this one is a good one for me because, you know, Cam Newton has been in the news for for a little bit. But I think just from a mindset standpoint, I think Josh has some 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 various some similarities between those two, especially physically and not only just how they play their game. And I feel like, you know, Cam talked about how – when it takes him to get to a, a a different level, he understood that, hey, I don't have to make the play. I can put the ball in other people's hands and they can get 20 and 30 yards. I feel like Josh Allen can do that too. And it could be as simple as turning around and handing the ball off to James Cook because we we understand what James Cook brings to the table. And I've been wondering for so long, like why aren't they getting this dude the football? Because... We we saw his talent down there at, at, at UGA, so we understand what he brings to the table. So I, I feel like if they can get to get Josh at the, Josh Allen to a point where, hey, put the ball in somebody else's hands and he can trust them to make those plays for them, i.e., just turn around and hand the football off, I feel like the Bills be in good shape.
2: And Kyle, you can't maybe argue that there's any team in the National Football League that's hotter than the Cowboys. And so they're going to take the their show on the road, but that's the place where, no pun intended, they kind of go cold. So how can the Cowboys maybe get a win on the road and kind of keep that white hot play coming, especially from Dak Prescott?
1: I think the thing to bear in mind is you know, this is a team that thrives so much on turnovers. You know, the three losses they've had this season, they've only manufactured one turnover in those three games combined they didn't get any turnovers against Arizona early in the season when they got upset in that game, they couldn't turn the ball over against Philadelphia the first time that they played them. And they got one turnover on the road at San Francisco when they lost by 32 points and had like 180 yards offense. So they have to get, a short field, we just got done talking about it with the game that happened last night, short fields off turnovers and, and getting extra possessions. Yeah. Yeah. Dallas is so opportunistic with those with this Dan Quinn defense and obviously Deron Bland. He's already set the NFL record for pick sixes in a single season, and they they have a ton of turnovers. Uh, that, for me, is you have to help the offense out and get some momentum because I've been to Orchard Park. I've been to a game there, and it is they, they, they get routed. So Mm -hmm. you have to get some kind of spark to help the team play a balanced complimentary game because Buffalo, they're in the midst, their feet are on, uh, on the fire, right? They dug themselves a hole early this season. They're trying to dig themselves out. They smell blood in the water after the win that they logged last week against Kansas city in Arrowhead. They got games against the chargers, which are an absolute train wreck. And then they've got the Patriots the week after that, after this game, so they know what's at stake. They they can go on a little bit of a run here and save this season that looked like it was so far off the rails. I think Dallas has to kind of make a, an impact play early in the game to kind of serve as the spark, or else you you really risk letting that crowd in mm-hmm. Buffalo have the impact that they're capable of having.
2: Yeah. And you know, Kyle, when you think about it that way or when you speak on it that way, it reminds you of sort of that cliche-ish phrase of any given Sunday. But I mean, I feel like this season in particular it really has been in an any given sunday scenario even when it's not on sunday so i think you make a very valid point i mean jarvis yeah you can look at the fact that not only have the dallas cowboys won 5 in a row but the way they've won 5 in a row has been so dominant but you can also you know make the the case that hey they've got a lot at stake but to kyle's point buffalo has a lot that they're riding on too, because they're fighting for their playoff lives. And we know that Dallas is fighting for really a, to make sure that they win the division. Now that they're pretty much neck and neck with the Eagles and B still have an outside chance outside to maybe even uh, get the number one seed. But ultimately speaking, which one of these teams kind of has, and I'm going to use the term loosely, which one kind of has more motivation to say, yeah, it's truly a must win for us.
3: I think it's the Cowboys because they are always having to prove themselves because, you know, even the way – even last week, I, I kind of was joking to myself and joking to my wife. I was just like, man, I picked the Cowboys away last week and they end up pulling that bad boy out. But I also said, like, I can't ignore what I – I got to believe what I see. I got to trust my eyes. I What I see, this offense, the way Dak has been cooking because this this team was built to for this offense to put up points and the defense to rush. Because at the end of the day, a lot of times like Michael Parsons don't care about getting no stop, no getting no run stops. <laughs> that man wants to sack the quarterback. Demarcus the yes. Lawrence <laughs> wants to sack the quarterback. They <laughs> want to put the quarterback on the ground and terrorize him. You know how yes. you do that? When you have a lead and teams have to throw the football. So I think like and it's just been a perfect marriage. It's been a, a marriage made in heaven because it's been kind of weird, kind of kind of weird about how this this team has been because. We just haven't been able to trust Cowboys in big games. So I think this is another week where the Cowboys say, you know what? We have to go out and prove ourselves. We have to go on the road. We know how we play really well at home. We understand that. Now we have to go on the road and and spank a team that's desperate because we know what Sean McDermott is is up against. And we know how much they needed that win against the Chiefs in Arrowhead. So I I feel like this is a game where the Cowboys saying, hey, guys, we got to go out here. Mike McCarthy saying, we have to prove ourselves. We have to go on the road and do it and win another big game.
2: Yeah. And, you know, Casey, when you kind of look at it from the Bills' perspective, you could look at it as the must-win as well. And I agree with you, Jarvis, by the way, that the Cowboys, they could be the more must-win team because they're Trump, everybody's on each other's heels at the top of the NFC, right? But then, Kyle, you also have a clusterfuffle of teams, um, and we know the six and seven cluster that is the NFC. But you've got some teams kind of clustered up there as well um, in the AFC. So is this a must win for the Bills, too? Just uh, just as much, if not more?
1: Yeah, uh, and you look at that cluster of teams and who's in it. Well, the Bengals yep. are in it, and the Bills lost that game head-to-head. And the Broncos are in it, and the Bills lost that game head-to-head. Uh, the Jaguars, potentially, after their two-game losing streak, they're looking at a couple mm-hmm. teams, a game behind them in the AFC South. They're only 8-5. and five. They're only game out in front. Buffalo lost that game head to head. So they they do not have a lot of leverage in the way of tiebreakers for that cluster of teams. And they still have a chance to hunt down this division. If they run the table and the Dolphins lose one more game and the Dolphins have Baltimore, Dallas, and the New York Jets as their other three games, if the Bills run the table and the Dolphins drop one, the Bills can win the tiebreaker because they won the game in week four. So they, they've got it all ahead of them, too, that they want to achieve. I think the biggest challenge for Buffalo in this game is the defensive injuries against Dallas. It sounds like Micah Hyde's not going to go for them. A.J. Epinesa, one of the rotational pass rushers, isn't going to go. They've already lost Matt Milano at Mike Linebacker earlier in the season. They've done well to kind of absorb that. They've had some turnovers in flux the last couple of weeks, but nevertheless, that's still a huge loss against a team like Dallas. And then Daquan Jones, their defensive tackle, uh, they missed. They, they lost around the same time they lost Milano. So like up the middle of this defense, they're missing a lot. And for Dallas, who has kind of showcased some ability to run the ball, they got a really physical interior offensive line, I think that's where Buffalo has to show they're up for the challenge is Dallas, I think, has the opportunity now that Brandon Cooks has started to come on a little bit, and Jake Ferguson's yeah. cooking at tight end, they're a little bit more balanced. So you're, you're going to have to try to take that away, whereas I think Buffalo, conversely, I think it's a little easier to make them one dimensional because it's Stefan Diggs. And you've seen Khalil Shakir flash a little bit and Don Kincaid has flashed mm-hmm. a little bit. But I just feel like Dallas, with their defense, I do think they have an edge to make Buffalo more one dimensional offensively than, than Baltimore inversely does because of the injuries the Bills have on defense.
2: Indeed, indeed. Well, hey, listen, you guys sold me on the fact that this is the must win essentially for both of these teams. And we're going to sell you on some more things in our sell me why segment that's coming up next. But first, Jarvis is here to sell you on better health.
3: This episode, how you doing, guys? Jarvis Davis here for better help. This episode of the NFL Kickoff Live show is brought to you by Better help. Now, the holidays are coming up, guys, and we you know how that is sometimes but whether or not you have lost loved ones or you 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 get a little lonely on, on, on the holiday season, whether or not your family gives, gives during the holidays, you get to find how you give to yourself and better help can help you do that, guys, because therapy is something that has been a lot of people have been not willing to talk about it publicly, but that's not necessarily the case today. There You need therapy, guys. I know myself. I like to talk to people. I need to be able to talk to someone about my issues and be vulnerable and open and talking about those things. So BetterHelp can help you do that. So whether it's by starting therapy, going easier on yourself during the tough moments, or treating yourself to a day of complete rest, remember to give yourself some love this holiday season. And and BetterHelp is going to be able to do that. So, guys, go to BetterHelp and, and check them out and make sure.
2: And we've got a Detroit team that's hosting the Denver Broncos on Saturday night football this weekend. Lions are currently four and a half point favorites in that one. And here's Matt Derry from Locked on Lions to sell you why Detroit covers the spread.
0: What are some ways and some keys that the Detroit Lions can cover that four and a half point spread on Saturday night against the Denver Broncos? It is simple. For the Lions, they've got to take care of the football. Turnovers have been a big issue for this football team the last four or five weeks. Jared Goff over the last four weeks with nine turnovers himself. Lions have to value the football and take care of it. No turnovers if they want to beat the Broncos. Plus, Denver's the best takeaway team in the league, tied for first with 24 takeaways. Lions aren't great themselves in taking it away just 14 times this year. So turnovers for Detroit going to be key if they want to take care of the home business at Ford Field on Saturday night. Also, Lions' run game's got to get going again. Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery have had some big games this season. Lately, hasn't been so much. Denver, single worst rush defense in the league at number 32, giving up over 144 yards a game. Gibbs has to get more, more than 11 touches uh, coming out of that backfield. Same with David Montgomery. That one-two punch will be a key. That will open up the passing game, too, for Jared Goff, uh, to say the least, after that. And the third key for the Lions is get that crowd involved, certainly. Saturday night is going to be raucous at Ford Field. The Lions have played very well under the lights in primetime, 3-0, and of course, with wins against Kansas City on the road, Green Bay on the road, and Vegas at home. Here's another home game and another night game, primetime game. Kevin Harlan, NFL Network, all in the building, and that crowd should be raucous. Hopefully force Russell Wilson and that Broncos offense into making some mistakes Maybe some false starts, and the home crowd's got to be a key for the Lions to get this win and to cover that four and a half point spread. Lions have played some close and tight games lately; they're due for a cover at home.
2: Guys, do you think these Lions will be able to cover that four and a half point spread?
3: I, I think that the I think the Lions they should be able to, and I think that you know Matt brought up a really good point. I think getting the ball into the hands of Jameer Gibbs and and David Montgomery that's going to help because Jared Goff has been really turning the ball over a lot lately. <laughs> um, and, and then when he's starting to look like the Jared Goff of old and not the Ben Johnson recreation uh, of Jared Goff, so I think that falling back onto your run game is, is is a is a good play. I feel in this game, and I feel like if they do that, I definitely think that they will be able to you know, be able to take some shots and and, and downfield and, and be able to take advantage of some of the things that the Broncos have been doing. But, like, on the other side of that, the Broncos has just been doing an excellent job. Sean Payton has been, you know, Mr. Terse Lips. You yeah. know, he, he's been – he's gotten – quietly got that team, you know, right. on a roll. So, I think – but I think if Detroit focuses in on the run game and, and kind of take the ball out of the, uh, Jared Goff's hands a little bit, I, I really feel like they'd be able to cover this 4.5-point uh, spread.
2: Indeed. Whereas Kyle, like Jarvis said, you're looking at a Broncos team that's won for the last five and lost a tough one uh, to the Texans or they would have had five straight. Right. And it's been Russell Wilson kind of going back to something Jarvis said earlier, not trying to put everything on himself, but just kind of playing within himself. But what has made this Broncos team all of a sudden turn things around and actually be viable to potentially beat the lions.
3: Oh,
1: they, um, they are getting turnovers defensively at a massive rate. You know, they, they just continue to string together multiple turnover games. The game against Texan, they lost the turnover battle 3 nothing, and it was so uncharacteristic of what they've done uh, offensively this year. That You know, the, the five game, five of the six losses that Denver's taken this season, they've had multiple turnovers offensively. So they just magically flip this switch where you're at one and five and you stop turning the ball over almost exclusively. You stop taking risks offensively and you do a good job of mitigating it and the defense you push the right buttons to get them and facilitate them to start taking the ball away themselves. So uh, I do worry a little bit about Detroit in this game just because of the sloppiness of their offense, the scoring defense they're they're up to like 24 points per game allowed defensively. So they they have regressed. Detroit has defensively quite a bit from the first month or two months of the season. So that's my worry for this game. Now you love that Detroit's at home, they just have not played complimentary football really well. And that has been the theme for Denver of this entire winning streak or stretch of games where they go from one and five to seven and six is they are playing complementary football from the offensive unit to the defensive unit. And I I am very interested to see if that trend continues this week, just because I, I kind of think that it will. And, and I probably would not have a lot of confidence in Detroit to cover it. The, the path is easy because if they do run the ball, mm-hmm. I, I agree with J.D. But it's just that they're teams that feel like they're headed in a little bit of opposite directions.
2: Yeah. And you've got two teams. It's very interesting because I would say with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, who are heading to Green Bay, Green Bay has been for the most part trending up. Right. And so that's been a positive thing, of course, you know, lost uh, Monday Night Football, but ultimately have been trending up Tampa Bay. Well, Jarvis can tell. We can tell it better than anybody that Tampa Bay is going to Tampa Bay like everybody else in the NFC South. So This should be an interesting game to kind of watch, Casey. But ultimately speaking, it's an early window on Sunday. And James Yarko is actually going to sell us on why the Bucs can cover as three and a half point underdogs. He is our locked on Bucks guy, and he will tell you how.
7: James Yarko here from the Locked On Bucks podcast telling you why the Buccaneers are going to cover the spread in this one and what they have to do to get there. It's pretty simple. The Bucks have covered in six of their last seven road games. But lately, a big reason for their success the last two weeks against the Panthers and the Falcons and why the game was so close in Indianapolis has been the rushing attack. Each week, the Buccaneers have increased their season-high rushing output going for 125 against the Colts, 128 against the Panthers, and then 148 against a very stout Falcons rush defense. Rashad White has gone for 100 yards or more in two of the last three games, and now they get to face a Green Bay defense that is allowing over 140 rushing yards a game, including over 200 against the New York Giants on Monday. The Buccaneers' offensive line has started to find a groove in the run-blocking scheme, and Rashad White is really starting to come on strong late in the season. So the recipe is simple. Feed Rashad all day long, give him carries, run through the air with the little one- and two-yard dump-off passes that he can take to the house like he showed against the Falcons. It is going to be a heavy running attack for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, because that is going to be the way that they beat the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau, not just covering the spread, but the Bucs can get a win if they stick to giving the ball to Rashad White.
2: Well, let's start off by first, Casey, saying whether or not we even think that the Bucs can cover this spread. Do you or no?
1: Yeah, I, I see the pathway. It's obviously tough when you're a warm weather team and you got to go up north and play late in the season in these outdoor environments. So I think that's, that's a little bit of a worry where, you know, if they're going to have the success that they've had with the physicality in the run game, uh, it's a little bit of an adjustment to do it up there as compared to uh, where you've been practicing all week long. Uh, but I would say, you know, Green Bay's given up more than 200 rushing yards defensively in four of their games this season across the first 13 that they played. So, They've been susceptible all season long if teams are committed to it. I think that's the pathway. I would be inclined to think that Green Bay does win the game. Uh, I think it will be close. I can see Tampa Bay certainly covering. But uh, I think James got this one on the nose as far as what the pathway looks like for them to do it.
2: Yeah, and Jarvis, they're actually going to luck out because Sunday the high will be 41 in Green Bay. So they might get a little semblance of a feel of that down south. And how they play down south, but want to go back to Green Bay as well. Like we said, they have, for the most part, been playing some really solid football. You know, had just a little hiccup there, but for the most part, have been playing solid. What's their path to getting a win?
3: I think it has to be Jordan Love's play. I, I think that this team has been constructed for him. If they, if he plays well, they have a really good chance of, of winning this and winning this football game. And I think that you know a lot of people were wanting to jump on the bandwagon when. It, got out to a hot start, and then he started turning the football over. You start seeing him look like a young um, quarterback that's mm-hmm. making his first start in an NFL or his first season as a starter. So I, I think that with his play and how he's been able to spread the football around because they had, Christian Washington was, was out last week, and you're still seeing – able was still able to have some success um, throwing the football. So I think that him being able to spread the football around, and I think Matt LaFleur has been – Got to give him credit too, but as far from a play calling standpoint and and, and game planning, they have been able to find ways to get the ball in the hands of their playmakers, which, which includes Jordan Love and also getting A.J. Dillon involved as well. So I think that this Green Bay team you know if they're going to get this win, which I feel like they can because I don't trust the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I saw that team last week, you know, in person, it when it had 85 total yards in the first half of the game. You know, like, oh, let's see if we can run the football. Dave can said, oh, you know, oh, let's run it now since we can't throw it, and they were able to have some success. So I think that right now, you know, this Green Bay team, you know, is they they have built this team to be in that success. It also all depends on whether or not Jordan Love can be um, hold on to the football and be able to distribute that bad boy in a way where they hate. They're moving their football up and down the field. And I think that um, they can do that.
2: And to be honest, I kind of feel like that was just a little bit of an outlier last week because I called the Falcons defense an infirmary as far as. Their ability, their run defense, I mean, they just didn't have their starters. And the one guy who was doing it, Cantavia Street, went out. And that's really when the Bucks went off. So it'll be interesting to see. Sure, they definitely can run the ball. But how much of a weapon will that be for them? Now, there's an AFC East battle extraordinaire that I can't wait to hear what my guy Kyle has to say about it. Dolphins, Jets facing off once again. Dolphins won the last matchup 34-13. to 13. Jets are currently 95 Point underdogs in that one. And John Butchko is going to sell you why the Jets can cover that spread. I'm John,
6: the host of Locked On Jets. And for the New York Jets to cover the spread this weekend against the Miami Dolphins, they will need two things to happen. First, the offense needs to get contributions from skilled players who are not named Garrett Wilson or Brees Hall. Wilson and Hall both had excellent games in the week 14 win over the Houston Texans. But the Jets also got contributions from supporting players. Tyler Conklin had four catches, a couple of which were in traffic. Jeremy Rucker chipped in three catches and the Jets also got contributions from role players. Xavier Gibson and Randall Cobb both scored touchdowns. Yes. Part of the biggest part of the reason the Jets won that game was Zach Wilson making big strides. But part of the reason Wilson was able to make those strides is he got contributions from receivers who, and who have not been contributing to the Jets all season long. So, some you know Garrett Wilson's going to be very good for the Jets. You know Brees Hall is going to be very good for the Jets. The Jets have not gotten the supporting players to step up prior to last week, and that needs to happen again if the Jets are going to cover the spread against Miami. And the second thing the Jets need to do is they need to slow Miami down. In the first meeting between these teams, the Jets defense did not do a great job of limiting the big plays. Tyreek Hill had a couple of big catches against DJ Reed. Jets need to do a better job limiting. Miami's explosive plays. They should have an advantage in this game because the Miami offensive line is banged up. It's an opportunity for Quinn and Williams and some of the other interior defensive linemen to generate pressure on Tua Tagovailoa, also potentially shut down the Miami run game. They're the real opportunity. If the Jets are going to cover the spread, it needs to be ugly. It needs to be a game that's not particularly pretty. It needs to be a game that doesn't have a lot of offense. Jets are going to need to keep the scoring low, so the defense is going to need to step up. That's the story of the year for the Jets. And if they don't get a great defensive performance, it's going to be difficult to see how they can cover the spread.
2: So, Casey, essentially, what John said is just to have a repeat of what we saw in Week 12, where the Dolphins won 34 to 13, and easily the Jets will cover the spread.
1: Well, I, I think what the Jets do have going forward, and John mentioned it, is they are the Dolphins are banged up on the offensive line, and we don't know the status yeah. of Center Lee this, the true starter. Connor Williams went on injured reserve. Uh, He tore his ACL against the Titans on Monday night. The backup was Liam Eikenberg. He was in a walking boot as recently as Thursday. He did practice on a limited basis on Friday. Uh, Teron Armstead did not play against Tennessee after getting leg-whipped at the end of the first half uh, against the Washington Commanders. I think Miami ultimately will have enough. And what's unique about the construction of their offensive line is the ideal starting group. I didn't mention Rob Hunt, and he's been confirmed out by Mike McDaniel. They have so much athleticism with the primary group, but the backups are a little bit of a different body type where I think Miami has the opportunity to get vertical movement in the run game with the backups because they're they're more true road graders. And Raheem Moster comes out after Miami loses the game on Monday night against the Titans where they're up 14 points with just a few minutes left in the game. And they were on pace to rush for 200 yards in that game. And Connor Williams went down early. So like the, all these guys, Toronto Arms didn't play. Connor Williams went out. They had 101 rushing yards at halftime. They finished with 158. Raheem Mostert said this week, I got to get Mike McDaniel's year, and I got to tell him, we got to run the ball. If we're going to be who we want to be down the stretch, we got to run the ball. And I think they will come out. They ran for 167 the first time against the Jets. I think they do have the opportunity to come out, get vertical movement in the run game. I think they will stay committed to running the ball. Tyreek Hill's a little banged up, so I think adding that focus back into the ground game anyway plays into their hands. I know that defense is a little... Uh, sore after what they gave up there at the end of the game against Tennessee, both their starting safeties were out. They had some coverage miscommunications, yielded some explosive plays. Kind of a perfect storm to drop a game, and I, I yeah. think they're. This is a team that's just chomping at the bit and ready to get back on the field and play.
2: Yeah, that's what I would think too, Kyle. Despite all of the injuries that they're dealing with, it's the fact that that game, and you know, just watching that game wire to wire, it's such a heartbreaker. So that's the kind where you just kind of want to watch that taste out of your mouth, get back on the field and get back in the win column. But Jarvis, on the other hand, I don't know, the Jets, they're going to jet most of the time, but do you see any path to them getting a win?
3: Ooh uh is is zach wilson finally gonna prove uh prove that he would deserve to be drafted what number two overall <laughs> as a quarterback you know hey this is why the jets draft to be this high yeah. you know they're not a bad organization they right. they they do know what they're talking about like you know and, and of course you yeah, and I'm not discrediting what he did last week. No, 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 no shade whatsoever. But I feel like this is another opportunity to prove himself. Like, because it's kind of like what I talked about with the Cowboys. People are going to have set mindsets about how they feel about you uh, until you change it. And people are going to think Zach Wilson is a bum. I'm not calling him a bum. People call have called him a bum as a quarterback. And people are going to think that about you until you change their mind. So here's an opportunity for Zach Wilson to change their mind, and that's the only way they're going to be able to get a win. Because we know what Brees Hall brings to the table. We know he can he can make some plays. We know what Garrett Wilson is. We know what he can do. But it's all about turning around and handing off to him and, and and throwing the football to to Garrett Wilson. Those are some of the things that Zach Wilson has Zach Wilson, excuse me, has struggled with. And if he doesn't mm-hmm. struggle with those things, I feel like hey. He can probably put together another good performance.
2: Yeah, if he's that Zach Wilson that you saw against the Texans with 27 completions on 36 attempts, 301 yards, and a couple touchdowns, then, yeah, the Jets might have a puncher's chance. Now, we got a can't-miss game on another team that is looking to bounce back next week. We'll talk about that in a minute, but before we do that, we're going to talk about LinkedIn.
3: Listen up, guys. Jarvis Davis here for LinkedIn. This episode of the NFL Kickoff Live Show is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top-tier candidates as possible to interview, such as myself. You know, I'm a big-time candidate, I guess. I don't know if are you a big-time candidate or are you looking for that big-time candidate. LinkedIn Jobs is the place you need to go. That's why you have to check it out. They have the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. And LinkedIn isn't just another job board. I know y'all get tired of those job boards with all these flugazi jobs on there and all that stuff. They have a vast network of more than a billion, billion with a B professionals, which make this the best place to hire. Hiring it's easy. When you have that many quality candidates, so easy. In fact, that eighty-six percent of small businesses get a qualified candidate within twenty-four hours. I'm a small business owner myself. I'm gonna be looking for some for some candidates. I'm going to LinkedIn Jobs because I know exactly what I'm gonna get when I go there. So thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, it's quick, it's easy, and they even just launched a feature that helps you write job description, making the process even easier and quicker so here's what i want you to do guys post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on nfl that's linkedin.com slash locked on nfl to post your job for free terms and conditions apply
4: if you're looking for the most comprehensive nfl draft coverage this offseason look no further than the locked on nfl scouting podcast
2: Guys, we got another can't-miss game that has the Eagles in that tagline. Of course, they need a bounce-back week, and we say need because we've seen what they've looked like against the 49ers, against the Cowboys. But they're going against the Seattle Seahawks team that's also looking for an opportunity to kind of hang on to some slim playoff hopes. Our Locked On Eagles host, Louis DiBiase, joined the Locked On Seahawks host, Corbin Smith, to break down this can't-miss game.
8: I don't know about you, Louie. This is a weird matchup in a sense that you would think from a record standpoint and the way the Seahawks have played for the last month and a half, you would think that this game is going to be leaning heavily towards the Eagles. And if you would ask me two weeks ago, I would have agreed with that. But I actually think this game, I would be surprised if it is not a nail-biter at this point because the Seahawks are desperate. I do think they've been playing better the last couple of weeks. It hasn't translated into wins, but they showed against the Cowboys they can play Against really good football teams that compete, they just haven't been able to finish. So I don't know where you stand on this. It's a three and a half point spread, but I expect that there's a really good chance that it could fall in that three and a half point spread range with these two teams that I think right now are more evenly matched than maybe the record difference shows. Yeah, I mean, I would probably still, I agree, if it's a one or two score game, I wouldn't be surprised at all um, when it comes to like actual points, the difference there. I might still take the Eagles to cover at minus three and a half, but one thing I'll take the over on, Corbin at FanDuel, 47 and a half is the over under. I kind of like the over right now. I think this might be a high, depending on if Geno Smith plays, I think that's a big part of this, and Devin Witherspoon, but I might take the over there. Yeah, I would tend to agree with you. Now, the weather is something we've got to consider. Sure, now, that's the a good point. I'm looking at that I've seen right now. It doesn't look like there's rain on Monday night. So, that'd be a first that for the, really court, improves the been... chances that the offenses are going to be <laughs> yeah. slinging the ball over the place. That's a good point. But I expect that there's going to be plenty of emphasis on the run game. And that three and a half points, I don't know that I would go with that. I think this is probably a 6-7 point game. I think it's going to be really close. The Seahawks playing at home I think is going to help them. The Eagles have had some issues that have shown up the last couple of weeks. If the Seahawks actually game plan to attack those issues, I think that they can make this a very competitive game. That is a big if with the way things have gone this year but this is truly a desperation game for the Seahawks and the Eagles they're going to be playing with some desperation too because they've still got that number one seed in the division title that they're trying to win so I'm expecting that this is going to be a thrilling contest at Lumen Field and should be a really good primetime matchup which is why they slid it into that Monday night game and made sure the Patriots were not playing on Monday night with what we've seen from them this year.
2: You know, when we look back at just a couple of weeks ago, this Eagles team, J.D., looked unstoppable. They looked like they were that the number one seed in the NFC was locked up and that we were destined to see them try to get over the hump and get back to the Super Bowl and actually win it. And then all of a sudden it was like crash and burn first against the 49ers, then against Dallas. How does this Eagles team bounce back and get this win against a scrappy Seahawks team?
3: I got to figure out a way to get some kind of continuity on offense. And it seems they've been struggling because yeah. they have the, the big time playmakers in Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. But you also have a, a dynamic quarterback that that presents some opportunities or some, some advantages for you against opposing defenses that can be able to run the football when you have called quarterback runs. And also you have a guy, you know, in, in your backfield, you know, that that you can turn around and hand the ball off too. So I feel like there is they have to find some type of continuity because, you know, Eagles fans were even calling for 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 them to uh hire Frank Reichline so he can get the offense right. And I'm just like, no, they need to figure it out. You know, they need to figure out what, what they got going on right now because there is some they have been able to win games. Like we're not talking about a team, you know, that's you know, that's that's under 500. This is this team is 10 and three. And they've lost to they've gotten pretty much embarrassed or, you know, uh, by some two of the best teams in the NFL. So when like we got to talk about, you know, we got to put it in context, context is king. Right. So I, I think right now this offense has to figure out how to, you know, how they're going to be able to move the football efficiently, because. It, it just hasn't looked right, and there have been some times where Jalen Hurts if he's kind of been unsure with himself when he's dropping back the pass, like not knowing where to go with the football, holding on the to football too long. Um, that that has been, I'm sure, his offensive line has been mad at him at times throughout this this season. So I, I think that it's a matter of getting back on track and and, and getting this offense to a space where they ha- they look efficient, and 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 I think that's just as simple as. You know, I know I, I know. may sound like a broken record, but t- running the football does that, you know, and, and, and taking advantage of, of, of from a number standpoint and running your mm-hmm. quarterback that helps as well. So all those yeah. things come into play. I feel like that's that could be a recipe for success for the Eagles going forward.
2: And Casey Jarvis is right. This is not a 500 team, except. He's been a 500 team since the bye week, two wins, two losses. And really, honestly, they eked by with that win against Buffalo. If we're being honest, Buffalo kind of beat themselves, if you will. So how does, how does this Eagles team, and and they've been banged up, you know, give them credit. Lane Johnson has been injured and that's been a big challenge for them. But ultimately how does this team get back on track, especially because they're going to be on the road against the Seattle Seahawks?
1: Yeah, I, um, I'm hearing us talk about hiring Frank Reich and fixin', fixing the offense, and things aren't perfect there. I think they need to be a little bit more balanced and run the ball and not have DeAndre Swift get in the second half of games with, with three, four targets. But Frank Reich ain't, ain't going to fix his run defense. Since the nope. with the Eagles are giving up 156 yards a game, they have given up over the last three games 109 points defensively. You want to know what's wrong with Philadelphia? It ain't the offensive side of the ball. There's highs and lows. There's ebbs and flows. This defense has not been as advertised. The last three games in particular, Buffalo, San Francisco, and Dallas, have rung up a ton of points, a ton of yards, a ton of yards on the ground. Philly has two turnovers in those three games combined versus they've given the ball away five times. That, for me, is the key. you got you got all these first-round picks invested in your offensive line. On your defensive line, the studs that you have on that defensive line with Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter. And uh, you got Josh Sweat, who's who's a really nice hit for you guys. And Hassan Reddick, mm-hmm. as dominant as he's capable of being at times. You got to own a right. line of scrimmage and a team like Seattle. Yeah, they're at a really ugly four game skid of their own, but they are in their DNA. They're a team that wants to run the yep. ball. So you have to be ready to meet that opportunity. If you're Philadelphia defensively, forget about the offensive issues. They'll figure themselves out. You got enough impact players over there, but you got some young guys over on the defensive side of the ball. I'm really concerned about the linebacker core. They, they brought in Shaq Leonard for a reason that front seven's got to own the moment. If you're going to get this two game losing skid off this night and you're going to go out West, you're going to win this football. game.
2: And honestly, Casey, I'm also concerned, not as concerned, of as concerned, like you said, is, with the defensive front, but also that that secondary has been torched. You went out and you got Kevin Bayard from the Titans so that he could shore up that secondary. You went out and got Darius Slay last season so that he could be a piece for you. And I've seen a number of explosive plays in this quote-unquote, 500 run that they've had since that bye week. So, yeah, they've got some things to shore up. A lot of people are talking about the offense and how they're not producing. But ultimately speaking, you've got to get something out of them for the defense as well. I'm going to give you guys just a quick second to tell me about one game that you are watching this weekend. Jarvis, real quick, who you got your eye on?
3: Oh, you know, what game I'm watching. I have to have my eyes on this Falcons Panthers game. If the Falcons aren't able to go and get a win on the road against a one in 12 team that just fired their coach and people are running to the owner, texting him and telling them folks. Yeah, yeah this, this this your problem. season is over with. And I think it's time to talk about some job statuses.
2: Going Indeed. <laughs> Casey, which game is it for you?
1: I'm going to cheat. I'm a double dip. Saturday night's got a or Saturday afternoon's got Steelers, Colts, two seven and six teams trying to stay in the running for the AFC wildcard race. And then Sunday night football is Baltimore at Jacksonville. Jacksonville's lost the last two games. Baltimore currently sitting in the one seed Jaguars trying to hold on to that lead in the AFC South. There's a lot at stake there. So there's this AFC playoff race is going to be coming down to it. It's going to get wild and crazy. And those are two games that I'm looking at to have a lot of leverage on the line.
2: Well, have fun for me Saturday because I can't watch. I'll be on on the uh, couch Saturday looking away. But Sunday, definitely some intriguing matchups as well. Listen, we appreciate you guys, as always, for stopping by NFL Kickoff Live. We will see you same time next week.